the book of 2nd Chronicles chapter 28 2nd Chronicles chapter 28 and uh, we're going to read uh, several passages of scripture that we will be looking at uh, together this evening and the first of these is 2nd Chronicles chapter 28 please give careful attention to the word of the living God. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals. And he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. And therefore the Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria who defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hand of the king of Israel, who struck him with great force. For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 from Judah in one day, all of them men of valor, because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. And Zikri, a mighty man of Ephraim, killed Masiah, the king's son, and Azrikam, the commander of the palace, and Elkanah, the next in authority to the king. The men of Israel took captive 200,000 of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Odet. And he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me and send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berkiah, the son of Meshelemith, Hezekiah, the son of Shalom, and Amasa, the son of Hadlei, stood up against those who were coming from the war and said to them, You shall not bring the captives in here, for you propose to bring upon us guilt against the Lord in addition to our present sins and guilt, for our guilt is already great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes 
And all the assembly and the men who had been mentioned by name rose and took the captives. And with the spoil, they clothed all that were naked among them. They clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink, and anointed them, and carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys, they brought them to their kinsfolk at Jericho, the city of palm trees. And then they returned to Samaria. At that time, King Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria for help. For the Edomites had again invaded and defeated Judah and carried away captives. And the Philistines had made raids on the cities in the Shephelah and the Negev of Judah and had taken Beth Shemesh, Aijalon, Gadaroth, and Soko with its villages, Timnath with its villages, and Gimzo with its villages. And they settled there, for the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz king of Israel, for he had made Judah act sinfully and had been very unfaithful to the Lord. So Tiglath-Belazer, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. For Ahaz took a portion from the house of the Lord and the house of the king and of the princes and gave tribute to the king of Assyria, but it did not help him. In the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord, this same king Ahaz, for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus that had defeated him and said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God. And he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. Now the rest of his acts and all his ways from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Ahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city in Jerusalem. For they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel, and Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. And then if you'll turn with me, please, to the book of 2 Kings. The end of chapter 15. And we'll begin reading in verse 27. In the 52nd year of Azariah king of Judah, Pekah the son of Ramaliah began to reign over Israel in Samaria. And he reigned 20 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and captured Ijon, Abel-Beth-Maakah, Genoa, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, And he carried the people captive to Assyria. Then Hoshea the son of Ella made a conspiracy against Pekah 
the son of Rambaliah, and struck him down and put him to death and reigned in his place. In the twentieth year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha the daughter of Zadok, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, the son, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, against Judah. Jotham slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father, and Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering. According to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places, and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to wage war on Jerusalem, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. At that time, Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. And the Edomites came to Elath where they dwell to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Kir, and he killed Rezin. When King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, he saw the altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest a model of the altar in its pattern, exact in all its details, and Uriah the priest built the altar in accordance with all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before King Ahaz arrived from Damascus. And when the king came from Damascus, the king viewed the altar. And then the king drew near to the altar and went up on it and burned his burnt offering and his grain offering and poured his drink offering and threw the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. And the bronze altar that was before the Lord 
he removed from the front of the house, from the place between his altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of his altar. And King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, On the great altar burn the morning burnt offering and the evening grain offering and the king's burnt offering and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land and their grain offering and their drink offering and throw on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. But the bronze offering shall be for me to inquire by. Uriah the priest did all this as King Ahaz commanded. And King Ahaz cut off the frames of the stands and removed the basin from them and he took down the sea from off the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on a stone pedestal and he covered and the covered way for the Sabbath that had been built inside the house and the outer entrance for the king he caused to go around the house of the Lord because of the king of Assyria now the rest of the acts of Ahaz that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Ahaz slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. Well, let's pray. Lord, as we read about a dark time in the history of your people, we thank you that you yet reigned on high. And we pray that as we are struck with the horror of the reality of sin and rebellion and the consequences of it yet again in another king, Lord, we thank you that in the fullness of time you raised up not just a Hezekiah, but in the fullness of time a perfect king. Uh, even our Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would encourage us that our perfect king reigns over history, that as you were at work even in that dark day, in our day, you were at work, and that, Lord, the lessons that you have recorded for us, you have told us in Second Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is breathed out by you and is useful for us to be taught and corrected and trained in righteousness uh, that we might be complete and so lord god we beg for your spirit to come we thank you that your word is true and powerful and sweet to us by your grace and lord that in that dark day yet you had a remnant of your people who continued to love you and serve you and stand for you. And so give us grace to do that in our day. For you, O Lamb of God, are worthy. And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. In the midst of all of this uh, rebellion against the Lord that had really started uh, before uh, Ahaz became king, even though Jotham was uh, a man who walked uh, in the footsteps of his father, Uzziah, 
yet he did not remove the high places. These high places were groves and, and places. They were called high places because these uh, uh, groves where uh, people would gather together to worship false gods were usually on the top of, of hills. And hence they were referred to as the high places. And even though Jotham himself sought after the Lord, uh, yet he did not remove these high places. Uh, we do not know the reasons for that. Perhaps uh, he uh, thought it was not politically expedient to ruffle too many feathers in his day. Uh, we are not told. But what we do know is it had disastrous consequences uh, for the nation of Israel. Ahaz uh, reigned for uh, a few years concurrent with Jotham. Um, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. After he reigned on his own, his true colors came to light. Um, we have in the first four verses of Second Chronicles chapter 28 and uh, in Second Kings chapter 16 a summary of this man, of his unbelief and of the depth of his rebellion against the living God. And so that's what we see in these first four verses. Uh, he was 16 year, uh, 20 years old. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. Verse 2, But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. And in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 15 and chapter 16, uh, it is noted that uh, these kings of Israel continued to walk in the ways of Jeroboam, uh, who was the first king of the northern kingdom, who had set up the golden calves uh, there in Samaria and had said, these are the gods uh, that you need to worship. Ahaz even made metal images for the Baals, and he made offerings in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, uh, the son of Hinnom. It was a place where uh, it was uh, like the, the city dump uh, outside of uh, Jerusalem, and it was a place where human sacrifices uh, took place. Uh, he burned his sons as an offering. Hard for us to imagine, and yet in our day and time, uh, we have a very similar practice going on uh, that since 1973 in this country, there have been over 60 million little ones uh, that have been sacrificed to the bales of our day. But it is indeed shocking to see what unbelief leads to. The fruit is deadly. The fruit is death. 
We should not be surprised because as the Lord Jesus described Satan in the Gospel of John chapter 8, he is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. The lies of Satan lead to death. Unbelief is embracing those lies. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And so Ahaz gave himself to unbelief. He gave himself to the worship of false gods. And even in his own family, there was destruction and death. Well, in verse 4, he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Now, we're going to, in just a moment, go over to the book of Isaiah and see an amazing mercy of Almighty God in the face of this rebellion and unbelief. There are really five major events or time epics uh, that are referred to in these chapters that we read. And admittedly, it can be difficult and is complicated to kind of piece together exactly uh, how they overlap and dovetail together. Uh, they do fit perfectly together. Uh, and if uh, we are correct in our understanding, uh, following uh, men like Matthew Henry and uh, a host of other uh, uh, men who love the Lord Jesus down through the ages, uh, we have, first of all, this uh, um, summary of Ahaz's character that we have looked at. That's the first uh, major uh, uh, section that we see in these chapters. And, and then in Second Chronicles, we see the first siege described that uh, took place from Syria and the northern uh, uh, kingdom of Israel attacking Judah. And this first siege uh, was devastating, but it did not destroy Judah. It caused men to tremble with fear, but they did not turn in repentance to the Lord. And that's what we see uh, I believe, recorded for us in verses 5 uh, through 15 of this section in Second Chronicles. And we will look at it quickly. In verse 5, Therefore the Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria. Uh, the Lord's chastening was upon King Ahaz and the whole nation because uh, of their idolatry because of them following uh, the uh, laws of these pagan gods. Uh, it led to these horrifying things that we have just referenced. The king of Assyria, the king of Syria defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hand of the king of Israel. 
who struck him with great force. For Pekah the son of Ramaliah killed 120,000 from Judah in one day, all of them men of valor, because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. And Zikri, the mighty man of Ephraim, killed Maaseiah, the king's son. And Azrikam, the commander of the palace, and Elkanah, the next in authority to the king. The men of Israel took captive 200,000 of their relatives. Now that's a huge number of people that were taken captive. Uh, women, sons, daughters, and all of the spoil that went with that. Uh, the Lord stirred in the heart of a prophet, Oded, and put his word in Oded's mouth to come and meet the army. And he delivered this message. Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand, but you have killed them in a rage that is reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me and send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. They had intended to make these uh, people uh, slaves. They're slaves. And the Lord rebukes them and says that this is a great wickedness in his sight. Uh, the Lord uh, has set us free from sin and death and hell through his Son, the Lord Jesus. And what a wicked thing to enslave those physically who are supposed to be living examples of the freedom we have in Messiah. Well, there were certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim. And these men that are listed, uh, they uh, uh, opposed and said, you are not going to bring these captives in here. We're, we're not going to participate in that because our sins are great and we do not want to add uh, to God's displeasure. And so the army left the captives there and the men uh, who are listed uh, by name above it says in verse 15 rose and took the captives and with the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them. They clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink and anointed them and carrying all the feeble among them on the donkeys, they brought them to their kinsfolk at Jericho, the city of palm trees, and then they returned to Samaria. So that's the second event that is recorded. Now between verse 15 and 16, we want to go over to the book of Isaiah and see another event that took place. Sometime between uh, God delivering the people from the king of Syria and uh, of uh, uh, Samaria, God gave message through his prophet Isaiah. 
And if you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, we're going to look at a few verses in chapter 7, 8, and 9 of the book of Isaiah, where God proclaimed, now we don't have time to look at the rest of uh, this uh, uh, sermon that uh, Isaiah preached, which keeps going on after chapter 9 um, for several chapters. Uh, time will not permit us uh, uh, to look at that, but I do want us to look at a few of the things in these chapters that are indeed amazing and thrilling. Now keep in mind, here is a wicked king who is sacrificing some of his own children to these pagan false gods who has been chastened, who has already seen the hand of God against him and against his people. He has already seen God send a prophet who in an amazing way declared, God says you are not to keep these people and make them slaves and they just let them go. Ahaz has seen all of that. And in that context, context, look at Isaiah chapter 7. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the son, uh, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. And when the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. The Lord goes on to announce that he was going to destroy both of these kings and that he would deliver God's people. In chapter 8, the Lord announced that Assyria was going to come and sweep over the land and would be the rod in God's hand to destroy Syria and Samaria. Now, why did God tell Ahaz this? Well, in the context of all of this, Look at chapter 7, verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Is that not amazing? The kindness of the Lord to bring his word to such a man. We also have been greatly blessed to have God's word. Because apart from the grace of God, I'm an Ahaz. Apart from the grace of God, I'm capable of having a heart that is hard toward the living God and stubborn and stiff-necked and full of unbelief. Oh, praise God for His saving grace. Well, the Lord comes to Ahaz and said, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Uh, what was the purpose of signs? Well, you can go back and look in the book of Exodus chapter 4 when God had commissioned Moses uh, to go to Egypt 
uh, with the word of God in his mouth and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And tell uh, the elders of Israel, God has sent me. The God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to lead you. And Moses said, well, what if they don't believe me when I speak your word? And it was in that context that the Lord gave Moses the, the power to do supernatural works. Uh, And he said, take the staff in your hand and throw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. And then he said, take it by the tail. And he did. And it became a staff again. He said, put your hand in your bosom and pull it out. And behold, it had leprosy. And the Lord said, put it back in and take it out. And it was perfectly whole. And he said, if they will not listen to you, then do this sign. And if they still do not listen to you, do the second sign. And if they still will not listen, then take some water and pour it out and it will become blood uh, on the ground. That they may listen, that they may heed, that they may believe. And so the Lord is encouraging Ahaz, turn from your idolatry. Turn from your wicked way. Ask a sign of the Lord, Isaiah says. God has told me to offer you. Ask any sign to demonstrate, to encourage you that indeed the word of God is true. What is Ahaz's response? Oh, it is unbelief cloaked in a false piety. Look at verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. He said, oh, it wouldn't be proper for me to put the Lord to the test. Uh, this, this wicked man hides behind this facade of godliness. Oh, it wouldn't be right for me to put the Lord to the test just because he doesn't want to be confronted with yet more of the truth of God's word. Verse 13. And he, Isaiah, said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so Ahaz uh, forfeits the opportunity to have a sign uh, before his very eyes, but he's told about an amazing event that will be yet future. And of course, this is quoted over in the Gospel of Matthew. The angel appeared and quoted this, the angel Gabriel, and told Joseph that indeed Uh, He need not be afraid to take Mary as his wife, that she had not been unfaithful, that that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah goes on to impress upon Ahaz that in his day he wouldn't live to see that sign Because of his unbelief, he had forfeited, but God would do a work in his own day. 
and the king of Assyria was going to come. Look at verse 18. In that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the clefts of the rocks and on all the thorn bushes and on all the pastures. In that day the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair uh, of the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. In that day a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep, and because of the abundance of milk that they give, he will eat curds. For everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. And that... In, in that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns with bow and arrows. A man will come there, for all the land will be briars and thorns. And as for all the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, you will not come there for fear of briars and thorns, but they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. He goes on in chapter 8 and reminds the people what their hope is. Their hope is that even though they have refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently, and they rejoice over Rezin, the son of Remaliah, they think that just because Assyria has dealt with Rezin, uh, they're rescued. In other words, Ahaz is being warned, don't look to Tiglath-Pileser as your redeemer. Who is he encouraged to look to? He is encouraged to look to this one who would come, who would be born of a virgin in the fullness of time. Look at verse 5 of chapter 8. The Lord spoke to me again because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flowed gently and rejoice over Rezin and the son of Ramaliah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory, and it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread ring, wings will fill the breadth of your land. And where is their hope? O oh, Emmanuel. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand for Emmanuel. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary, 
and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? And now he's rebuking King Ahaz. Where is King Ahaz looking uh, for uh, guidance? He's looking to these false gods. He's looking to those who uh, uh, are a part of the realm of darkness. Where should he be looking? He should be inquiring of the true and the living God. Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They don't even have the glim, the first glimmer of light. When the sun hasn't come up, it's dawn, but there's light. And these false prophets and people who were pushing these pagan idols, they don't even have any dawn. And they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But then God gives Isaiah a message of hope for his people. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And if we had time, we'd go over to the Gospel of Matthew and we would look in great detail. But I want you to just turn with me and I want you to see that this is quoted and God tells us that when Jesus began his public ministry, that this was to fulfill what Isaiah the prophet had promised would happen to that region. That it wasn't going to continue in gloom and anguish on and on. That this people who had been given to idolatry, who were walking in spiritual darkness, would not always languish in darkness. And you see that in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And that's the message that God gave his prophet Isaiah to preach to this pagan, unbelieving, rebellious king of Judah, King Ahaz. And what did Ahaz do with all of this amazing offer of God's grace and mercy that focused on Messiah who would come in the fullness of time that he is encouraged to trust in in his day so that he would not be destroyed in unbelief. So that he would not turn to this pagan false savior, Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. It's been tough times. The king of Syria and the king of Samaria have come and it was almost a total destruction, but God graciously rescued him. And where now is Ahaz tempted to look for his help and his hope? <laughs> the king of Assyria. And Isaiah comes with this message saying, Don't be a fool, Ahaz. If you trust in this pagan king, he is even worse than these two kings that I have delivered you from. Don't do it. Look to Emmanuel. He's the one who alone can save you. On down in Isaiah chapter 9, we read, The people who walked in darkness, verse 2, have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. You remember what happened uh, when the Midianites and Mr. Gideon went out and there were 300 men that God used to defeat an army of 135,000 soldiers. God is the one that we ought to be trusting in. That's what Ahaz is being told. For every boot of the tramping warrior and battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Where is your hope, Ahaz? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That's what Ahaz is told. But what does Ahaz do? And so we come now to the fourth uh, uh, event that we want to consider in these passages. Turn back to Second Chronicles chapter 28. And so Syria and Samaria are threatening again. And where is King Ahaz going to look? 
for help. Isaiah says, don't do it. I know you're thinking about looking to the king of Assyria. Don't do it, Ahaz. Don't walk in unbelief. Fear the Lord. And all of these other fears will melt away. When you fear King Jesus, you don't fear anything else. And when I find myself afraid and worrying about things, it's because I've lost sight of who he is. That's always the case and always will be. What does Ahaz do? Verse 16, At that time King Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria for help. For the Edomites had again invaded and defeated Judah and carried away captives, and the Philistines had made raids on the cities and the Shephelah and the Negev, of Judah and had taken Beth Shemesh, Aijalon, Gadaroth, Soko with its villages, Timnath with its villages, and Gimzo with its villages, and they settled there. For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had made Judah act sinfully and had been very unfaithful to the Lord. So Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. For Ahaz took a portion from the house of the Lord and the house of the king and of the princes and gave tribute to the king of Assyria, but it did not help him. In the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord. And we read about that over in the book of 2 Kings chapter 16, where when he's up in Damascus bowing down before the king of Assyria, who had now conquered these other nations, he sees this fancy, amazing, pagan altar. And Ahaz goes, I gotta have one of those. I'm gonna build me one of those. I like that. Oh, woo! That is an altar. And he makes a sketch of it and sends a messenger to hightail it back down to Jerusalem and instructs Uriah the priest, I want you to build me one of these. And he does so even before King Ahaz returns from bowing before the king of Assyria. Oh, such foolishness. Such wickedness. It did not help him. I want you to look at that at the end of verse 21. But it did not help him. God's word tells us very plainly, the wages of sin is what? It's death. But when I sin... I'm thinking, no, that really isn't true. And, and we all do it. We're all easy pickings left to ourselves For the evil one and the evil that would arise, the remnant of evil that's left in our own hearts, even though we have a new heart that loves Jesus, yet still God over and over in the New Testament warns us, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. And Ahaz is walking 
in unbelief. In his time of distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord, this same King Ahaz, for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus that had defeated him and said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. He thought that because now the king of Assyria was there and everything is looking up, and yet it was his run. Look at the next phrase. But they were the run of him and of all Israel, and Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God. And he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and he made himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking the, to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. Now the rest of his acts and all his ways from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Ahaz slept with his fathers. And he died at the ripe old age of what? 36. He was an old man when he died, wasn't he? 36 years old. What do we learn from all of this? Well... Next week, we're going to see God do an amazing thing. He raises up one of his sons that wasn't sacrificed in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, a young man by the name of Hezekiah. And so one of the things that we need to learn, who was Ahaz's dad? Jotham, a godly man. And so young people, if you are privileged which you are to grow up in a godly home, learn from this. You cannot assume that just because your mama and daddy love Jesus and have the smile of blessing upon them, you're good to go. And you can live any old way you want to. And all will be fine. No, you must be repenting of your sins and believing in the Lord Jesus. We are capable of horrifying sins. Did you know that in this country, the abortion rate for those who profess to be Christians and those who don't are exactly the same? That's horrifying. That is horrifying. Oh, may the Lord calls us to tremble as we think of the sin of Ahaz. And may God give us a hatred for our own sin. It's easy for us to see the sin of others. May the Lord give us a burden for our own sin to turn from it and to turn to Jesus for forgiveness and life. Where will we look for hope? Is it Emmanuel? Or is it the king of Assyria? And there are a lot of false idols in our country. Do not be swayed. Learn from the example God has recorded for us. Ahaz asked 
for the king of Assyria. He got the king of Assyria. Now he became subjugated to the king of Assyria. And one old godly pastor commenting on this passage said, Sometimes the greatest punishment in this life is to have our own desires granted. Woo! Think about that. There is mercy with the Lord, and a true child of God does not live with the terror of what if I'm asking for the wrong thing, but we are those who trust in Jesus and know that God will take our jumbled up prayers and he will always give us what? Bread and fish. When uh, we look back over our lives, there have been times I've asked for exactly the opposite of what I needed to ask for. And God sometimes graciously tells us what? When we pray, asking for things. Nope, not going to give that to you. And at times, we may be very discouraged and distraught. But, oh, we need to learn to trust the Lord. To look to Emmanuel, the one who has come, taken our flesh to be our Redeemer. Idolatry is deadly. Civil alliances with wicked people and nations can only lead to greater danger and bondage. God calls upon us to be those, as we read in Psalm 2, kiss the Son, lest He be angry and we perish in the way. All of us need a Savior. Who will it be? Will it be Jesus, the Son of God, who graciously will take us and wash all of our sins away and make us spotless and clean in His sight and adopt us into His family? Or will we foolishly look to the ways of death? O Emmanuel, He is the one. That we delight in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless not only the children and the young people of this congregation, but Lord, those of us who are older. Oh Lord, we tremble when we think of how easy it is for our hearts to grow cold and indifferent to you, our great God. And we pray that you would revive us even this night as we begin a brand new week to serve you, to walk with you, to humble ourselves before you, to confess you, Lord Jesus, to confess our sin to you, to confess that apart from your grace, we would be an Ahaz. And so, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blessed spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come to be our Redeemer. And we delight in you. And Lord, you are so kind to send your word to us. Ahaz rebuked it. Oh Lord, we don't want to be like that. Oh Lord, we want uh, to have soft hearts toward you, toward your word. 
uh, to believe in you, Lord Jesus, and to give ourselves to trust and obey you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.